LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Today I'm Madeline Galea. And I'm Scott Sanders. Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel-centered ministry each week. Now, I was talking to my mum, right? My mum in, you know, my mum's quite teary. Uh, those who know my mum, uh, they'll, they'll know this. Generally, tears and scones, weekends, they kind of all kind of come together. Okay. She was talking about my ministry, and she talked about this podcast. She's just started listening, right? This podcast. So we often joke, Derek and I, that it's only our mum's listening, or, you know, those close listening. But my mum has actually started listening. But she called this a ministry, right? And in the context of that, my mum, every time she talks about ministry, moves every week. She, she gives me the Aaronic blessing, you know, so she prays, um, like, prays the words of Aaron. And, uh, That's so nice. You yeah, love that, don't you? I do yeah, love it. I do love, love it. Yeah. I do love it. Every time. Like, it's it's a really beautiful thing that my mum does. That's nice. My dad just started listening. He got offended that I didn't tell him about <laughs> it. So, anyway. <laughs> the One Thing's brought to you thanks to Geneva Push, the Australian Church Planting Network. In the past 10 years, we've helped launch 100 churches, and by 2030, we aim to launch 200 more. But for now, you've pressed play on the one thing. Uh, today's episode is Confessions of a Failed Church Planter. And Hans, what a title of a podcast. Isn't How it? do you she's, feel? She's like just thrown under the bus. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. She has. But what can you do? I had permission for the sake yeah, of everyone. Yeah, yeah. No, but I, I, th- I think it's a really important thing. I mean... Uh, Mark Driscoll came out with a book, uh, Confessions of a Church Planner or something like that. Or Reformation Rev, Rev. Rev, right? I think there needs to be a counter-narrative where we actually talk about our failures and say failure is actually um, not this scary thing, but under the sovereignty of God. Uh, it's it's a thing that if we're pushing out with the gospel, is going to happen. Mm. And so I, I want to be open about my failures and what I've learned from them you know, to help others. And I think, I think uh, well, I remember going to Geneva Push stuff where it w- you'd hear from guys who were just nailing it, right? And, you know, they're going kind of like, or, or you talk to someone and they would say, um, you know, how's church going? I'd talk to them, how's church going? They go, oh, mate, pray for me because, you know. It's got too many people. Oh, we uh, just, you know, 6,000 people became Christians just on the weekend. <laughs> we're trying to disciple them all. And you go, I got like 20, right, in in the church, not even 20 converted. And you just feel like a failure. But I think, but unless we are doing, we're pushing out with the gospel and failing, I don't think we're pushing out hard enough. Mm. And we're actually doing really, really safe things. I think my church planners will probably get into as a risky thing. And I think that's a good thing. Mm. We need more risky church planners. So, uh, Hans, you're a good friend of mine. You've turned 40. Are we? Yeah, we oh, are. Thank you. <laughs> uh, married Kate. You've got yep. three kids. Yep. Uh, originally a country boy, but not really a country boy. Yep. You plan to resolve in 2009 in yep. Newtown. So yep. inner city, Sydney, a real yep. hard to reach place. Brownfields area, uh, you know, very, you know, post-Christian, post-church community. Yep. Uh, it closed in 2016. Yep. You're now serving and leading a church um, in the North the North Shore or the northern suburbs of Sydney. Well, don't call it the North yeah, Shore. It's, if, it's, if you grew up on the North Shore, you don't call Marsfield. Uh, I know. It's kind of nor- northern suburbs. Uh, yeah. A church that's about 100 years old, Marsfield Community Church. Yep. But I want, I want to hear, uh, what motivated you to plant Resolve Church? Uh, I, 
I'm, I'm a guitarist and I used to gig through college, but also before college. And it seemed like a lot of my muso friends were very interested about Jesus. But, um, you know, churches didn't really, um, a lot of churches didn't work for them. Um, a lot of churches either didn't have the patience to actually answer their questions or they just went, you're a musician, we'll get you serving straight away and didn't treat them as people. And so, um, and also they had a bunch of questions that they were asking that were different from the normal questions that were uh, that were an, an, being answered out there. So I thought, why, why not start a, I think this is my tagline, a theologically conservative, culturally liberal inner city church reaching out to um, 18 to 30 year olds with a specific view to musos and artists. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's which is very, very it's, a, it's a great mission wow. statement. Yeah, yeah. So that that's the that's the church we we tried to plant. So you're really clear on who you're trying to reach. Absolutely, mm. um, absolutely. And, and that kind of broadened to people, uh, I think, who were, I think, politically left, culturally left, mm. Newtown kind of people who are trying to reach reach those guys. Now you're stuck at it for, you know, a number of years. So almost close eight, to eight yeah. years. Yep. Um, resolve didn't get off the ground. How, yeah. how did you process that failure? Yeah, and I'm glad you called it a failure. I think it's really important um, that we distinguish between a person who is a failure and a failed venture. Right? Mm. And I think uh, when I closed down church, uh, resolved, I was saying, oh, well, we failed at it, right? And people go, no, no, you didn't fail, right? Because, you know, God did great things. People become Christians. Yeah, people, yeah, absolutely. People absolutely. Yeah. But I say it was a failure because we tried to plant a start-up, like a self-sustaining church, and we didn't achieve that goal, mm. right? And so um, that was hard. In the f- f- probably four years, the last four years, which is 50% of the, the time it was going, I took uh, some time out every September to think and pray about whether we should move forward for another year and talk to certain people. And um, and I can remember my final year going, I just don't think, you know, the money, money was down. I was preaching everywhere I could uh, for money for the church. And um, a few people were leaving for good reasons at the end of the year and they told me and I could see the, the problem with a, a small church plant like we had mm. was it's very leader heavy, like it's very tiring for leaders. And we ha- I think we'd burned out a bunch of leaders and I could see that happening again. And so I, I was thinking, man, like what, what can I do? I picked up a book actually by a guy named Ryan Holiday and it was called Ego is the Enemy. And he talks about how ego is the enemy when you start when you are successful, but when you fail. Mm. And he said, one of the reasons why we hate failure is because of our ego, right? We don't want to say, hey, I have failed because then you look like a loser. Mm. And when I realized one of the things that was holding, one of the main things that was holding me back from actually going, you know, we've done our best, right? We've tried our best and if under the sovereignty of God, it just didn't get off the ground, uh, was my ego, right? So I needed to go I need to realize that whether Resolve kept going and, and realize the dreams that I had for it or whether it finished, I was still a child of God, still beloved by God, still my, my name is still written in the Lamb's Book of Life and that's that's where my identity should, should mm. be formed. Not whether I'm you know, a church planter or successful, whatever that means. So it, right? doesn't, it doesn't crush you because of the 
internal monologue? Was this something that you had to, to, to learn through the process of failure or this is something that allowed you to process that failure well so yep. that it didn't crush you and didn't... Well, well I had been feeling like a failure for ages, right? And, mm-hmm. um, and so having to deal with it, I re- remember when um, Tim Keller came to town I went to the conference and you know talking to some some of my mates who are planted a church planted churches or, or pastors and they were like telling me all their victory stories and I just it was a Monday I just felt really low felt like I didn't want to go be there and I can remember I was standing in the second row the music came on they were singing and I just started crying mm. in the middle of it and I can remember the the chick on stage who was from the states um, saw me and then afterwards she came up to me and she said. I just love it when in the middle of worship, the spirit really touches somebody. And I said, oh yeah, isn't that great? Thinking, you know, she, she thought obviously I was touched by the spirit and crying. Mm. But really I was having this egotistical moment where I was going, mm. man, I'm a failure. I don't deserve to be here. So I was, I was processing failure all mm. along, but that book was instrumental to go, the reason why this failure hurts is because of my own ego. Mm. And if I can work out my ego or crush that, um, and find an identity that's not based on what I do or how successful or not I am, I'm going to be far more mm. potent in life and I'll be able to deal with this. And so that's when I started going back to the gospel and realizing that my adoption in Christ is something that I knew, right? Mm. I could write an essay on it probably, right? But it hadn't gripped my heart. And mm. that when the gospel, you know, around the kind of idea of failure really gripped my heart, and I could see that actually I could fail in everything that the world sees as really important, but I am still loved and in a billion years time I'll be you know, just as loved. Mm. That's when I started going, okay, this failure doesn't hurt as much. And in, in the end, I could finish up um, and I wasn't bitter, I wasn't angry. Um, there was, uh, we were the 38th, I think 38th church plant in Newtown that had closed down in the eight years that I was there, right? Mm. And so many, so many, eight. yeah, and most of them were from overseas, a lot from the States wow. and that kind of thing. And what I saw from a lot of them was just anger and bitterness mm. Mm. and, um, and you know, marriage failings, walking mm. away from Jesus, turning into liberalism. Mm. And um, by the grace of God, you know, he worked through, you know, not only that book, but also the understanding of the gospel so that I could go, actually, failure is okay. And now I, I talk about, at church, um, the things that we're trying to do in a way that failure doesn't... I just say, hey, we're going to throw things up against the wall and see if it sticks. And there's going to be some things that stick and some things that work and some things that, don't, that, that, that doesn't, and that's okay, right? Mm-hmm. And so that dialogue frees us to try a bunch of stuff and some things work and some things don't. But also that brings the pressure way down. Mm. Like if this has to work, I'm not going to try a bunch of stuff. And when I try it, it's got to work and there's all this pressure. Mm. Mm. But if I say, hey, we're going to start up a youth group and we're going to try it out and we're going to try it for 20 years, that's what I say. We're always going to try something for 20 years because you've got to have a long, long-term thing. But, you know, under God, if it's successful, it is. If it's mm. not, that's okay. We're going to try our best. And therefore a lot like there's just a lot less pressure yeah I love that though it's kind of like keeping the ministry as important as it is out here and not um, a part of your identity absolutely I think that's such a good example for the younger guys who were saying 
you want a church plant one yeah. day, start a new ministry yeah. now, but we also need godly examples of what it looks like in the success of that for that to not be attached to your ego and yeah. also the failure of yeah. a project closing or a ministry. Yeah. Um, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, that's fine. If we can kind of go into more unpacking what actually happened at Resolve, yeah. um, and if you could just walk us through why do you think things didn't work out? Yeah, so, so it, I want to step back from this, and I think one of the things that when you look back on failures, it's very easy to blame everything else around you, right? So, you, so what you do is you go, uh, my, my church failed, my church plant failed, and I'm going to line up all these reasons it failed um, that could be all true, but they're external to me, right? Mm-hmm. So I could say, you know, there's a bunch of church plants that, that happened. There was, you know, some barn was Broadway down the road. There was... Uh, Steve's Newtown. Steve's Newtown. It's a hard area. I could talk Possible about climate change. Yeah, all that kind of stuff, right? You didn't go after families. You went after young. Yeah, all you that went after really small, small, small yeah, I know, people. I know. As opposed to a lot churches? of people. Yeah. yeah. The problem with that is you don't grow from that, right? And and in in the end, what you're setting yourself up is as 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 a victim, right? And so if you're going, these are all the problems, you can't grow. So even if all the problems are like ninety nine percent everything everyone else's fault, right? Even if that's true, what I've got to do is focus on the one percent, right? The one percent that said this is what I brought to the table. And when I focus on the 1% or 10% or 50% or whatever it was that I brought to the table, that's when I'm going to grow as a leader, as a pastor, all that kind of stuff. So um, a lot of people, when I talk about my failures, they they say, well, Hans, you've been really hard on yourself, Mm -hmm. right? But I see the greatest people that I admire through history, they're really hard on themselves and they're gracious towards others. And so that's what I'm trying to do. Um, I think if I'm going to put... um, I think there was a number of problems with why Resolve failed. Um, and start and starting with me, I think one of the biggest the biggest problems that I did, I didn't have the mental, emotional fortitude to be um, a church planner. I thought I was a lot more mentally tough than I was. And I think you need mental toughness and I think you need mm. to develop it and think and have a positive mental attitude right all the way through and also tell yourself things as things are going hard to um to you know like kind of ballast yourself so you talk, you're talking about having a growth mindset you're talking about being optimistic you need to have that as part of your personality wiring what, what? you've you've got a um the, the there's this thing um Jim Collins talks about the Stockdale principle in, in Good to Great, where you've got to have a positive outlook about the future, but be really clear on what is happening now. Yeah. So you've got to be able to see that, hey, we wanted, we thought we were going to get a bunch of people who are non-Christians coming to this to this church plant, but we don't. Okay, that's reality, but have a positive mindset about the yeah. future. Con- confront the reality in front of you, but yeah. also be looking forward to the future. Yeah, exactly. And so you've got to have a bunch of things that are, I think gospel or theologically minded um, that you say to yourself because Martin Lloyd-Jones talks about the reason why uh, Christians aren't happy is because we listen to ourselves we don't preach to ourselves and I think that's in leadership too Mm. so um, for example um, I used to get frustrated when there was a bunch of people who said they were going to come on a Sunday 
that didn't come and then they would put on Facebook that they were down the beach. That just used to, and that used to get in my head. Mm. But, but one of the things that I've learned uh, and I tell, when we started a 5 p.m. service at at, uh, Marshfield Community Church, I used to say to the guys, uh, ministry is grown over years and decades, not weeks and months. Mm. This is a long-term thing. And so we can be disappointed in a week, right? And that's okay. And so having those things, but also training yourself to be uh, mentally tougher, you know, putting yourself in, uh, in uncomfortable situations and still learning to think clear through that mm. and where your, your body is in pain, whether it be through, you know, exercise or something else, but you can still think clearly because you are going to have situations where it may not be physical pain, but it's emotional pain mm. where you love someone. You say, actually, I've got to step you out of this ministry because it's the best thing for the church, but I'm going, I'm going to keep my mental focus so that I'm going to be loving, truthful, and yet gentle. And to do those three when you're actually rebuking someone and stepping them out of ministry takes mental toughness because it's very easy to blow up. It's very easy to go the opposite way and pull away from that. Well, this is a long episode, so we've split it into two parts. Uh, And be sure not to miss the second section where you will hear about the toolbox and the resources provided and also the one-minute wisdom from Hans.